Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, this is your host, Andre Cherry, and you are listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast, which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Previously on the Cherry Picking Podcast, Utah, this week they travel to LA to face 2-1 USC, and that's going to be a Friday night game. I'm really pumped to watch that game. And like I said before, I would not, I would not count USC out of that. That's going to be a fun one. I just, I have a, I have a feeling that could be a really close matchup. Then we have Michigan versus Wisconsin. Honestly, I like Wisconsin in this game if they're able to be successful at running the ball, which they have been for the first two weeks of the season, first three weeks of the season. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's averaging close to 119 yards per game, and he scored five touchdowns already. He's a Heisman favorite for some folks. I think if they can run the ball effectively, they have a shot to win in this game against Michigan. Michigan did not impress me during that Army game a couple weeks ago, so I'm I'm really, really worried. And I know people want to anoint Michigan as the winner this season, but they've got a tough road to go. Nebraska versus Illinois. I'm not really a believer in Illinois anymore. I'm picking Nebraska. I'm just really worried about Lovey Smith and his Illinois fighting Illini this season. Eastern Michigan was a game that they needed to win, and they didn't get it. And so I just don't feel that Nebraska will um, just fall to U of I this weekend. Nebraska, they got a blowout victory against NIU this past weekend. So I think Nebraska's riding high. And so I'm taking Nebraska in that game. And I think it's a game definitely to, to watch. I mean, I would love to see Illinois beat Nebraska because Nebraska is getting so much love and so much hype that I think is undeserved, but they do play a very easy schedule. So for that reason, I'm picking Nebraska. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to another exciting show of the Cherry Picking Podcast. This is my week four recap, week five preview, and let's just dive right in. So this week for my top five locks within the Power Five conferences in the ACC, I had Virginia over Old DU, and I got a win there. Virginia beat Old Dominion by a score of 28-17. to And then in the Big Ten, I had Nebraska over Illinois. And this game was pretty close. It ended with a score of 42-38, to so I got the win in the Big Ten. But it's crazy that this game was so close, despite the fact that Nebraska outgained Illinois in total yardage, 671 yards to 299. The Cornhuskers did have four turnovers in this game, though, and 10 penalties, which totaled 70 yards. So the penalties and the turnovers is certainly an equalizer in any game. And that was the case in this game as it came down to a 42 to 38 score. I'm really worried about Illinois. I played the soundbite in the beginning of the show. They let a, a, a game get away from them last week against Eastern Michigan. I didn't think that Illinois would beat Nebraska, but this game was in Champaign, and it was fairly close, like I just mentioned. So Illinois had a shot to to win this game and get an upset, but they let this opportunity slip by as well. The only bright spot in this game, though, Reggie Corbin, he rushed for 134 yards and one touchdown in this game for the Fighting Illini. So Illinois will have to regroup. And, you know, Lovey's my, Lovey's my boy. You know, I like Lovey Smith, and I hope that he can turn this around. If you're a fan of the show, you know that Herb Lawrence has been a, a, a great contributor to the Cherry Picking Podcast. And I actually have had him on a few episodes in the past. And I retweeted a tweet from Herb Lawrence 
from this past weekend and he said, and I quote, I'm a lovey guy so this hurts because I was wrong on him. I wanted him to succeed but he's not the guy. Too conservative and his defense doesn't stop people anymore. It is time for Illinois to look for a more progressive risk taker that develops talent. I'm on 10 right now, end quote. And that's from my uh, good friend Herb Lawrence, who is a producer at 670 The Score in Chicago. You can find him on Twitter at EichnerWall23 and or EichnerWall23. And he's one of the biggest Illinois fans that I know. And the fact that he tweeted that from the loss this past weekend really tells you the state of Illinois fans right now. They're disappointed in Lovey Smith. And granted, this is only the fourth game of the season. There is time for Illinois to turn it around. However, Eastern Michigan was a game they needed to win, and I'm, I'm not confident that Lovey's team can just turn it around and steal some victories here the rest of the way. But, you know, my fingers are crossed. I, I hope for the best for Lovey Smith. He just signed a renewal in the offseason. They have great facilities at U of I, and I thought that he was starting to turn the program around, but... I'm I'm a little nervous, and I'm unsure that, uh, like Herb Lawrence said, that he's the right guy. So we'll see what U of I can do the rest of the way from here. In the Big 12, I had West Virginia over Kansas, and West Virginia barely gets away with the victory over the Kansas Jayhawks. Yes, that same Kansas Jayhawks team that has been perennial losers for over the past decade. Les Miles' Kansas Jayhawk team, they hung around with West Virginia in this game. West Virginia got the victory 29-24, to but it was close. My good friend Casey Kane, who is also a contributor to the Cherry Picking Podcast, he tweeted out just the other day that Kansas is no longer a pushover in the Big 12. Les Miles has these Jayhawks playing some legit football. My Mountaineers are in a dogfight right now. And so Casey was worried. And honestly, I was worried as well because I I didn't see Kansas sticking around with West Virginia, even though West Virginia isn't the same type of team this season. You know, they did beat my NC State Wolfpack, which it still stings. But you would have thought they would have rolled over Kansas easily. But that wasn't the case. 29 to 24 victory for West Virginia. I get the victory out of the Big 12 for my lock this week. Then in the Pac-12, we had Washington State over UCLA. Now, this was my loss for the week, my only loss. UCLA beat Washington State. They stole a victory from the Cougars by a score of 67 to 63. In this game, there were 1,377 total yards in this game combined from both teams. Close to 1,400 yards of offense in this game. That is crazy. That's like a video game. Like, that's insane. They put up this many yards in a game. And I'm talking about the UCLA Bruins. This is Chip Kelly's squad that has been pretty pretty dismal. They, they haven't played very well this season, but they get a, a very nice victory over Washington State. Washington State, they committed six turnovers in this game. And I've, I've said it on the podcast before in the past. Turnovers are the equalizer. They equalize competition. And anytime you're turning the ball over multiple times, you are giving your opponent a chance to uh, stick around in the game and, and potentially win the game which was the case in this matchup with UCLA. Washington State committed six turnovers, and UCLA capitalized on those opportunities. I was actually coming back from Chicago. My family was spending some time in Chicago with you know my grandparents, or with my parents, my daughter's grandparents, and we flew back, had a late flight into Philly, 
we got in like around 12.30 Eastern time. And when I got home, I turned this game on because I live on the East Coast. So the second half had just started or it was late into third quarter. And UCLA had scored like two touchdowns within two minutes, something crazy like that. And UCLA was in it. And I tweeted out, you know, this game's not over. It's far from over. And UCLA eventually came back and won the game when I, you know, when I woke up the next morning and saw that UCLA had come back, you know, hats off to Chip Kelly and his Bruins squad for getting that victory that I did not seem, did not uh, seem to be likely. And they got the victory. So great win for the Bruins. That hurts my lock for this week within the Pac-12. And then in the SEC, I had LSU over Vanderbilt. LSU rolled Vandy by a score of 66 to 38. And if you can believe it or not, this was the first meeting between these two schools since 2010, which seems crazy because they play in the same conference. So that's uh, odd scheduling there in the SEC, but LSU gets the victory nonetheless. Joe Burrow, he actually threw for close to 400 yards in this game with six touchdowns, which set a school record at LSU. So Joe Burrow is just out here balling, folks. So I get the victory there. And those are my locks for week four. So overall, I'm, I'm 17 and three, which is 85% accuracy in picking these locks. This week, I went four and one. So if we look ahead to week five action in the ACC, I'm taking Temple over Georgia Tech. I'm excited for this game. I think I'm going to try to go out for this game. I'm expecting Temple to roll over Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's new head coach, Jeff Collins, who was previously Temple's head coach last year prior to Manny Diaz for like 17 days and it's going to be at the link in philly so i know temple's pretty excited for that matchup to get some revenge over jeff collins for just bouncing out to go to georgia tech and temple they had a really rough loss last week to buffalo in my preseason predictions i did see them losing to buffalo so they'll have to regroup this week i think they'll get a solid victory over georgia tech however so i'm picking temple to be my lock for this week in the big 10 i'm taking penn state over maryland in the Big 12, Oklahoma over Texas Tech. In the Pac-12, I'm taking Cal over Arizona State. I think this game could be actually a really, a really interesting game, and and um, I think it should be, should be close. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Texas A&M over Arkansas. For my Week Five locks, I have Temple over Georgia Tech, Penn State over Maryland in the Big Ten. In the Big 12, Oklahoma over Texas Tech. In the Pac-12, Cal over Arizona State. And in the SEC, Texas A&M over Arkansas. So now real quick, if we look at some of the games from this past weekend, I just want to touch on them real quick. We had Utah versus USC. Utah was ranked 10th in the AP poll against an unranked USC squad. And I said it earlier in the show. You heard my soundbite from last week. I, I was nervous for this game because to me, I saw this matchup as a trap game for uh, Utah, which they uh, fell in the trap and they lost by a score of 23-30 to 30 to USC. They had to go on the road to LA for this matchup. And if we just look at the breakdown, Utah actually held their own in this matchup. They actually outgained USC in total yardage, 457 yards to 381. They had one fewer turnover than USC. 27 first downs in this in this game from Utah compared to USC 16 but at the end of the day what really matters is the points and Utah did not have enough points to win this game plain and simple they lost by a score of 23 to 30 that hurts me overall because I had Utah as one of my teams within my playoff tracker and I'll I'll touch on that later on but 
that was a game that I was I was really nervous about. I was worried for that matchup for Utah, and I would have picked USC honestly, but because Utah is in my playoff tracker, I had confidence in them to make it through the Pac-12 conference unscathed, uh, and then represent the Pac-12 in the playoffs. I had to ride with them. You have to have confidence in these teams that you're picking. So I rode with Utah in this matchup, and unfortunately, I got burned. So a tough loss there for the Utah Utes, but they will need to regroup, and I'm sure they'll be okay. Then the next matchup that I was really interested in and glued to this weekend was Louisville versus Florida State. Now, I legitimately thought Louisville could have won this game. I, I thought that they would do it. I predicted that they would beat Florida State, and as a result, I, I thought Florida State would go one and four. And I know that would not be ex- acceptable for Florida State fans. I mean, this is a program that is used to winning, and these past couple seasons, they haven't done that. They've been uh, losers. They've been an afterthought in the ACC, and so I thought that they would lose this game to Louisville. Uh, Florida State did get the victory, however, by a score of 35-24. to 24. So that was a solid victory for Willie Taggart. He needed that win. The team needed it. And this week they play my beloved NC State Wolfpack. And I think they're favored in that game right now because that game is at Tallahassee. But I, I haven't made my picks yet, but I think I'm going to go with NC State. I just My heart's there, and I think the NC State can pull off, uh, I guess you could say, an upset over Florida State. So... I think Willie Taggart's seat cooled after the victory last week, but I think his seat's going to get even hotter this week once NC State rolls into town and gets that victory over the Seminoles. And then we have Michigan versus Wisconsin. I played the soundbite earlier in this show, which was my thoughts from last week's show, and I thought that the Badgers had a chance to win this game if they're able to outrush Michigan, If they're able to do what they're known for, which is run the ball very well, very effectively, they have a shot to beat Michigan. Because Michigan has not impressed me this season, and I thought they were pretenders from the get-go, and Wisconsin exposed that. They exposed the Wolverines for what they are. And the Badgers had a great day rushing the football. They rushed for 359 yards in this game. Jonathan Taylor, you've heard his name before. You're going to hear it all season long. He rushed for over 200 yards with two touchdowns. So Jonathan Taylor is is just building his Heisman resume here, folks. And Wisconsin, if they if they want to have a shot to win the the Big Ten West, which I think they will have a legitimate shot to do, just need to keep feeding it to Jonathan Taylor. Just let that man work and let him uh, do what he does best. He's a, a phenomenal running back, and he really has been a, a treat to watch these past few seasons at Wisconsin because that's a school that is known. For great running backs and this is another player that is etching his name in the history books for Wisconsin and I'm telling you keep an eye on Wisconsin because they have a legit shot to win the Big Ten West I think in my initial predictions I have Iowa winning the conference this season but you know it really could it could go to Wisconsin again we've seen Wisconsin do it before in the past maybe they're getting back to that level of greatness again and um, you know I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do so Wisconsin great win uh, Michigan, they're going to have to regroup and figure it out. I think I've seen some stuff on Twitter, the odds of Jim Harbaugh remaining as the head coach next season. I, I saw the odds out there from Vegas. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh was the right hire at the time. It's just unfortunate that his programs haven't been able to do much of anything. You know, I think it's great for college football when Michigan is relevant, and they they've been good. 
but they haven't been great like they've been known to do in the past. You know, with Lloyd Carr, some of his great teams in the past, and it's just it's a shame that they they really haven't been that relevant. When I'm thinking about college football, when I grew up as a kid, Michigan was was up there, man. And it, it it's been kind of it's been kind of a, a sad watch to just to see Ohio State run through the the Big Ten like they have been, you know, the past several seasons. Michigan made it competitive in the past. It was always Michigan, Ohio State, one two, and now it just feels like Ohio State has is just running rampant over the Big Ten. So I hope they can figure it out over there in Michigan and Ann Arbor, and I hope. Uh, Harbaugh can regroup and and rally the troops to finish out strong. Realistically, if you lose a, a game, you're probably out of the discussion for the playoffs. Honestly, the SEC looks the the top teams in the SEC look really good, and they they can make a legit case for sending multiple teams from the SEC to the playoffs. So you really got to bring your game every week, and to lose a game you're probably hurting your chances of of ending up in the playoffs this season but there's still a long way to go but you just you can't you can't lose like that if you, if you were supposed to be legit this season Michigan needed that win over Wisconsin and they didn't get it and so that uh, that stings a little bit now real quick the games that I'm looking forward to this weekend for week 5 action Virginia versus Notre Dame Honestly, Virginia is supposed to be legit this season. They've been playing very well. Notre Dame has been playing well. Uh, they got a, a tough loss to Georgia last weekend, but Notre Dame is still a very good team. Virginia is a, a solid team out of the ACC this year, so I'm I'm excited to see what happens in this matchup because this would be a great win for either of these teams, honestly. This is not the Virginia of of recent memory. This Virginia team can ball, and I'm excited to see what they can do here because Virginia is going to be a top dog in the Coastal this season, no doubt about that. Then we have Georgia Tech versus Temple. I'm excited for this matchup because I hope Temple beats the breaks off of Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech, as I'm sure other Temple Owl fans are hoping for as well. And I'm going to try to go check that game out. It's at the link in Philly. You know, it's not every day that we get to see an ACC opponent come into Temple and play an AAC team. So I'm excited for that game this weekend. And then we also have NC State versus Florida State. I'm hoping that NC State can beat the brakes off of Florida State. I'm, I'm still hopeful that NC State can, you know, end up as the second best team in the Atlantic. Uh, it's looking pretty close with Wake Forest, though. I mean, Wake Forest has been playing some good ball. And nobody's going to catch Clemson. So I think realistically, NC State, if they can win this vic- win this game against Florida State, you know, the best they can hope for this season is a second place finish within the Atlantic. So I'm excited for that matchup. That's actually at Florida State this year. So that's going to be a tough environment. But hopefully NC State learned some lessons from that West Virginia loss uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm hoping for a great victory over Florida State this weekend. Then we have Ohio State versus Nebraska. This game will be played at Lincoln. And I want to see how Nebraska performs against the best team within the conference. I want to see where they're at. They they just barely survived a matchup against probably the worst team in the Big Ten. So I want to see how they fare against Ohio State, the best team. Are they going to play up to the level of competition? 
Ohio State has been playing great ball these past four weeks, and this will be a huge test for Nebraska. I don't think Ohio State has much to prove or much to gain in this game, but I think Nebraska has a really great opportunity here, uh, and if they can get a victory, I think people are going to just go nuts if you're a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan, because they really haven't been relevant either. They're a, a team just like Michigan where growing up, Nebraska was the school you went to if you were a college football player or wanted to play college football. Nebraska was that program that still had a lot of credit and respect to its name. And so I'm not expecting much from Nebraska, but if they can hang in this game with Ohio State and who knows, get an upset victory, I think that's great for college football and great for Nebraska, great for Scott Frost, and just great overall for that program. And then the last game that I'm really interested in is USC versus Washington. This is matchup of two uh, two ranked squads this week within the AP and really just trying to see who's who's legit out of the Pac-12. I mean this is a, a pretty pretty serious matchup here versus two teams that are uh, ranked within the conference and I really want to see who uh, comes out on top. Washington has been a program that has been solid but they are a team that just they do everything they do things well, but they, they don't do things great. Like they don't do one thing that's like really a standout or one thing that really is far and, uh, far and away better than other teams. They're just consistently good. They're a consistent squad and they get results. Chris Peterson gets results out of that team and they win slowly and, and quietly. They go about their business and you really don't hear much from Washington. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what will happen in this game. Nonetheless, USC's had some injuries early in the season, and I, I think they really are playing for their head coach right now. You know, you hear every week, Urban Meyer is in L.A. He's doing the Fox show. Is Urban Meyer going to take this team over next season? And, I, you know, I think the team right now is playing for Clay Helton. And right now they're 3-1, and one, and they're ranked 24th in the AP poll, so... You know they're playing playing very well, and so can they keep this up is really the question. And if they can get a victory over Washington this weekend, that's another great victory for USC, and they continue to roll on. So those were the games that I'll be glued to this weekend. I'm excited for Week Five action. I can't believe we are already in the fifth week of college football. I feel like it just got here, and it's flying by. So I'm gonna tr- I'm going to try to enjoy this moment this weekend and watch all these games and have fun. Hope you guys have fun too. Now, real quick, I'm going to talk about some college news that has been circulating around as of today. De'Eric King, he's the quarterback for the Houston Cougars. He announced today that he'll be redshirting. So he played four weeks. He played the first four weeks he started, and he has decided to redshirt the rest of the season, and he will come back ready to go for next season in 2020. When the news broke, it wasn't clear that uh, Derek King would come back to Houston. I think a lot of people were speculating that he was going to go to Oklahoma or he was going to go to another program that seemed to be relevant. So a lot of people are quick to react to news and they didn't wait to really hear it develop fully. And so the story eventually developed and word came out that he was going to actually stay at Houston, but he wants to redshirt so that he can you know, graduate. And then I think he was hurt last year, um, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. So I think he's probably just trying to rehab a little bit better and, and just get stronger and, and 
prepare himself for next season because I'm sure this young man has aspirations to go to the NFL and he saw this as an opportunity to get one more full year at it uh, to come out with his in his best shape possible and and mentally physically emotionally and you know, after hearing his explanation, and I'll read what he, he said here, um, it makes sense why he wants to take a, a break this year and, and redshirt. And what he said, and I quote, I came here to play football for the University of Houston, and that is not changing, King said in a statement released by the school. After carefully thinking through this process with my family and coach Dana Holgerson, I have decided the opportunity to redshirt this season gives me the best chance to develop as a player, earn my degree, and set me up for the best success in the future. I'm looking forward to being a part of the success of this program going forward, end quote. So a lot of people speculated pretty prematurely that, oh, he's in a transfer, and uh, someone tweeted me that, oh, this transfer process is getting out of control. These players are out of control by just going into the portal and transferring to whatever school they want to go to. He actually was trying to help his team. So this young man, De'Eric King, probably feels as if he's not in the best the best place right now to lead this team. Daner Holgerson, it's his first year at Houston, and Houston right now is 1-4 on the season. De'Eric King, he isn't the reason why the Cougars have lost the games that they've lost, but he hasn't looked that well. He's only completing about 52.7% of his, his throws. Uh, he's had six touchdowns, two interceptions, so... I, you know, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. He He's probably not in the best place right now. He wants to have another shot at it. And why not take advantage of that opportunity if it's there for you to redshirt so that you can come back even stronger, even better for next season. So I think he was getting dragged a little bit online and on social media because people thought he was just going to go to another school. But I think he's actually doing the best thing for himself and the team by sitting out this season. And I, I wish him the best. I, I wish Houston luck the rest of the way. It looks like Houston will now turn to back up sophomore Clayton Toon at quarterback for the game this Saturday at North Texas. So good luck to Mr. Toon and good luck to De'Ara King the rest of the way. The last story that I want to touch on here is Antonio Brown going back to school. So he re-enrolled in college. He went to Central Michigan in 2007 to 2009 he was drafted by the Steelers in the sixth round in a 2010 draft Uh, Antonio Brown arguably was the best receiver in the game prior to this season and it's a shame that his career is going to end this way and I I say it's a shame from a football perspective certainly if he assaulted a young woman or assaulted women that is uh, that is not acceptable Um, you know I'm not his judge or anything like that but he can't be playing football if he's if he's going to do that and engage in that type of behavior. I don't know if it actually happened. I don't know any of the details around it, so I don't want to speculate on that. But what I will say is that Antonio Brown, I think he brought all this bad juju on himself this season with that whole helmet issue out in Oakland. I just I don't know that he would ha- he would have had this downward spiral had he not uh, had the drama surrounding his helmet. And I say that because this man just gave up $30 million, guaranteed. He gave it up. And it started with the helmet issue, and then 
issues with Mike Mayock. They got they almost got into a fight. He got suspended. He came back. He ended up getting cut. He went to the Patriots, which I thought was a pretty good landing spot. They have a history and uh, they've had success with players, like rehabilitating rehabilitating players out there in Foxborough. But that would not last as allegations came out and surfaced about him assaulting his trainer in the past. So I'm not saying that he's not guilty of what he did. I'm I'm sure if he if he did something, it's between him and and that trainer. But I think he brought this bad juju on himself by doing that whole helmet drama, and it's just a shame that he just had a downward spiral. And it, he, this guy was quiet last season, so I, like I don't understand. All of a sudden, he just wilds out. Like I don't I don't get that. And. You know he, I, I, I can't, I can't judge this man's character. I don't know him, but you have to wonder if CTE is causing some of this behavior. You know, I know that's a cop out to say, oh, he's got CTE. This dude wilds out. He must have CTE, but maybe he does, because this dude was pretty quiet in Pittsburgh. And then this season, he just had a downward spiral ever since training camp this summer. And now he's out of the league, which I just I find fascinating. I find I find it truly fascinating. So the article that I'm looking at from ESPN, it looks like he re-enrolled in college. And it showed the courses that he enrolled in. It looks like it's four classes for the fall 2019 to 2020 uh, semester. And I... I'm assuming that he'll be on campus at Central Michigan, which is pretty interesting. But the classes that he's going to take, no, actually it says he'll be on, they'll be offered online. So those classes include Introduction to Management, Technical Writing, Death and Dying, which is a religion course, and Racism and Equality, a sociology course. So that's, that's interesting that he's going back to school instead of playing football. And so uh, I'll be curious to see how that story ends up, but I just found it fascinating. And I just wanted to to share my thoughts with y'all on this podcast. So with that said, I'm going to sign off for this week. Real quick, I want to go over my playoff tracker with you guys. So we have number four, LSU. They won this past week to Vandy. They blew the brakes off of Vanderbilt. They have a bye this week. Then we have number one, Clemson. They beat Charlotte by a score of 52 to 10. The Clemson Tigers traveled to UNC this weekend. So that should be an exciting game. And then we have number six, Oklahoma. They actually had a bye this past week. So they moved one spot down at the AP poll. Ohio State moved up over Oklahoma. They had a great game this past weekend. The Buckeyes did. And so uh, this weekend, Oklahoma faces Texas Tech as 27-point favorites. So I'm expecting the Sooners to get a a pretty easy victory over Texas Tech this season. And then my fourth team, which I, I guess we can probably eliminate from the playoff tracker, is Utah. They are now number 19 in the AP poll. They lost to USC by a score of 30 to 23. They dropped nine spots in the AP poll this week. And Utah faces Washington State this weekend. So we'll see if they can regroup and uh, move forward from from that loss last weekend. So that's my playoff tracker for this week. And I'll be monitoring these teams pretty closely as we move forward through the action of the rest of the season. And with that, that's my week five podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you guys continue to listen to the show each week. I really appreciate the listeners, appreciate the followers on Twitter. 
If you listen to my show on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to drop me a five-star rating, drop me a comment. It will really go a long way in helping to build this program up to what I think it can be. And so uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening to the show. Hope you enjoy watching Week 5 College Football. I know I'm pumped, and I cannot wait to uh, really dive into the games next week. So with that said, I will bid you guys farewell. Thank you for listening to the show, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great weekend. Take care. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickingsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.